Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, I'm never doing this again. Ever. 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 I'm fucking never doing this again. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. And we spent five seasons of Loose Units, the podcast, talking through his cases. But the unexplained and the paranormal kept rearing their heads. So this season, we're going to take a look at hauntings, ghost stories, and the crimes behind them. Because the story doesn't end when the killing is done. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. The Wakehurst Parkway is generally regarded as the most haunted stretch of road in Australia. This 14.6 kilometre road sits on Sydney's northern beaches and runs from Narrabeen, winding its way down to Seaforth. Now, for the most part, the trip seems fine. You know, it's scenic. But if you're there late at night, once you enter this region, which is called Oxford Falls, you're pretty much in the wilderness. And odds are, if you're driving at that time of night, you're probably alone. And that's when your mind might start playing tricks on you. And if you're in the know, when you're alone on this road, you might start recalling one of the many tragic, traumatic, and deeply unsettling stories set along the Wakehurst Parkway. And you might get a little freaked out at this point. Right now, listeners, it's 11.53 p.m. And my dad, ex-cop John Verhoeven, is currently sitting in the dark in the cabin of his ute on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere on the Wakehurst Parkway. He's got his audio gear set up and we want to see if there's anything there worth being really scared about and whether my dad will tip over the edge in the process. Let's call him now. So dad, can you tell us where you are right now? Um, well, I've got my windows wound up because I feel as like I feel as though I'm in a fucking sauna. I can hardly breathe. I'm re-breathing my own carbon dioxide, which is not healthy, but I'm not prepared to open the windows. Why not? Because there's a fucking massive lightning storm and it's pissing down. Hang on. So just, just, Dad, just set the scene. Whereabouts are you right now? I'm probably 200 metres from where that guy, the crossbow killer, the he was technically called the bow and arrow butcher. Richard Leonard, so I'm about just a few hundred metres from where he shot the guy with a crossbow. Okay. Just off the Wakehurst Parkway, yep. So so you're currently parked on the side of the road at the Wakehurst Parkway? I'm in sort of a fairly concealed area because I need mm. to be discreet because right. it looks so bizarre. It, it You can't, I mean, I've got the computer, I've got the phone, I've got my notes, I've got a 
a light. I've got the microphone. I've got my headphones. <laughs> uh, it, it must look very weird. But so, can I just go back a, like about half an hour? I yes. I drove over from Rushcutters Bay. The sun was going down, like just out of a Stephen King sort of post-apocalyptic film. The skies were turning black. And then I looked to my left and I saw a white crucifix on a church. I mean, it was all kind of... look. It's crazy. I mean, my my mind is just kind of playing tricks with me and, like, there's no one around. Do me a favour. Could you just describe exactly what you can see? Because what we're trying to do here is basically get you to a spot that apparently is haunted and just do the episode from there. So you are currently... Would you say you're in the middle of nowhere right now? Paul... I just turned the light off. Yeah. I can't see anything. I can see... A, I'm not prepared to look in the rear vision mirror, which will become obvious later on in this episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do have a fertile imagination, but I think we've really pushed the, pushed the limits for this episode, like majorly. Can I read you a story? Before you read me the story, Paul, you know that I went out to Cockatoo Island last night, and we're not going to talk about it. No, but listen, we're not going to talk about it. However, I saw some some shit out on that island that will be the will be in future episodes, but just let me say this to you and the listeners. As I was leaving the island, these professional paranormal hunters gave me something last night to bring tonight. Holy water crucifix? No, it's a, it's an electronic device. And I've got it on the dashboard and it can only go off if there's movement if something actually has to literally touch this electronic device and yeah. as I was setting up the bloody device went off and it was fucked so just to be clear it's midnight right now and you are parked on the Wake Coast Parkway are you and you're just off in a little side area what can you see anything around you right now nothing it's pure demonic darkness outside okay. Okay. And the the cabin's fogged up and it's raining and it's just, you couldn't script a creepier bloody place to do a podcast. Well, I found a blog from back in 2010 from a guy called La U. He is a Burmese exile um, living in Sydney. And I think he worked as a driver, as a a cab driver. And he's got a story here, which I'm going to read you from back in 2001. So I want you to make sure that you're sitting in as near perfect darkness as you can. And I'm going to read you the story, okay? Okay, and this is from his blog. We will link to his blog in the description. Mm. As usual, one Friday night shift in the year 2001, well after the Sydney Olympics, I happily took a job from New South Wales Sports Academy to a city hotel late at night while I was in the forest way on my way back from a Belrose job. Time was almost one in the early morning and the job was perfect as I could easily get a fare back to Manly from the city. I just turned on the radio and started dreaming of earning at least 80 bucks in the dying hours of my night shift. I turned into the parkway and had to stop at the Oxford Falls intersection for the rare red light. Normally at that time, the place was always deserted and the lone traffic light was in a permanent state of green unless the pedestrian button was pressed. I had never seen a red light at that intersection at that time and it sort of annoyed me. Also, there was no one on the curbs or the crossing, but the green walking mound was brightly lit as if someone had pressed the pedestrian crossing button well before I got there. I patiently waited as the red man started flashing and then floored the accelerator as soon as the light turned green. With 180 under the bonnet, my cab lurched forward, and the speedo was pointing at 80 in a few seconds' time. Immediately, I sort of felt like somebody jumped into the cab and sat on the back seat. 
You know that feeling you always get whenever someone suddenly opens the back door and gets inside the cab as you are daydreaming behind the wheel sitting idle at a quiet rank. That was totally impossible as I had no passenger in my cab and there was none outside and I was now traveling at 80 kilometers per hour. I instinctively eyed the cabin mirror and what I saw shocked me. There was a gray silhouette of a thin young woman in the mirror apparently sitting on the middle of the rear seat and sort of staring back at me. She was in a kind of white gown and headdress like a Christian nun. I couldn't really see her face clearly, just the shape of her face and her deep green eyes. Yes, the sad green eyes, but she was definitely real and sitting there and staring back at me at that precise moment, I slammed the brake hard. The old falcon shook violently on her four retread wheels, dangerously veered off to the left and skidded noisily on the gravel-covered shoulder and came to a sudden screeching stop just before a big gum tree. When I looked into the mirror again, she was gone. So, Dad, how far are you from Oxford Falls right now? Paul, um... And how do you feel right now? Well, um, I'd like to thank you very much for making me feel wonderful. But, Paul... But, Paul... Yeah. yeah. Um, you're okay. You're in a nice apartment. You've got Tegan. Yeah, I, to be fair, I, look, I did. I turned all the lights out beforehand just to Whoopie kind of... What fucking do... <laughs> Fuck me, Paul. Trying to you're trying to simulate something creepy. Well, that's that's laughable. But sure. Paul, Paul, yeah. dear Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I just need to say this to you and the listeners. Yes. And I'm kind of a little bit upset that you told me that story because I know the area incredibly well. And when I was driving, and I came over the hill, and the sky lit up with white lightning. Mm. And I came down to where the Christian City Church is. Yes. And I know that's the only set of traffic lights between French's Forest and Narrabeen, which is a good, I reckon it'd be about 7K, travelling along this single lane, you know, parkway. Yeah. There, there is no lighting, zero street lighting. It is black. As Paul, I need to say this to you, and this is, I don't want you to sort of, I don't want anyone to go, oh, yeah, that, that, that'd be right. But um, the the lights um, went red at that very intersection that you mentioned, uh, that you mentioned in the blog, the, the guy, the cab driver. And I looked, um, and there was, and the only way that that can be activated is a pedestrian and there was there was no one there so on the way to do this story I stopped at that same set of lights but I am aware and I, I don't I'm aware of those lights of course but I, I don't yeah. think um, you know there's no reason for them to have gone red so well this story was from back in 2001 mm. Uh, so obviously it's been around a while, but mm. I'm really curious as to, I mean, how, first of all, look, when this podcast started all of, oh, I don't know, seven days ago, you were sitting more in the skeptics bucket, right? You were mm. more, you know, um, I'd like to think, I'd like to think that when presented with evidence and things like that, I would also kind of, you know, turn and believe in things. But at this point, I'm, I mean, I'm not sitting where you are. I don't know how creepy it is. I mean, what is... What is it about this area that you think kind of attracts that feeling that you're feeling right now? 
Apart from, of course, your idiot son reading you scary stories as you sit in the pitch blackness. No, that's that's a good, that's good that you do that, Paul. But um, I guess it's the um, the fact that it's a stretch of road that has suffered so much trauma since it was built in around about 1940, mm. and the trauma. I mean, there's known trauma, and there's unknown tra- trauma. So the unknown trauma are the terrible things that have happened on this stretch of road that no one knows about, or the terrible things that have happened on this road that people know about but have never uttered the details. Mm. But, you know, when I was a police officer at North Sydney, I worked with, uh, or there was a detective, um, his name was Brian Breeden, and he was coming home from a day shift as a detective he was a detective sergeant and he was a hard man trust me he was fucking scary and he was involved in a horrific accident and he had his uh one of his arms torn off at the scene and i remember seeing him many months later he came in and he did what a lot of people not a lot of people but people that have you know had an arm or well, generally an arm removed you know they they sort of wear a shirt but then they kind of pin the shirt make like sort of have yeah. a fold in it it's kind of yep. weird and i remember he came into the the police station at north sydney where i was in general duties and i'll tell you what he was a he was a changed man all that anger all that that meanness that nastiness that that almost sadistic sort of person had totally gone and he became an affable person, and it's kind of weird to think that such trauma, you know, takes that sort of thing. But, um, you know, the crossbow killer, I mean... Just as a recap for listeners who don't mm. remember this episode, or mm. people who are new to this show, right? Mm. So, mm. the crossbow killer was a fairly notorious murderer. How would you sum that whole case up? He was a psychopath, and he's still incarcerated. Um, and he's never to be released. And he was a very smart guy. He he was sort of he had charisma, but the the kind of the really weird thing, Paul, is that um, your grandmother taught him, which is kind of you know incredible. I was going to tell you something that my mother, your grandmother, told me about him. Um which kind of demonstrates, certainly demonstrated to my mother as a school teacher, as a seasoned school teacher, mm. that things were not quite right. But he was, as many people described him, he was, he was a good-looking bloke. Um, but weirdly, Paul, he, he was a member of the, the Christian City Church and he actually he befriended this girl and she was besotted with him. And the terrifying thing about a psychopath is that they do things that are quite frankly quite creepy. And what it turns out, Paul, is that he was actually a a Satanist. So he's a Satanist that goes to a Christian city church to meet people. That's weird. He meets this girl and he, he basically... You know, he sort of beguiled her and he was kind of like a thrill killer. 
And he, he worked at an abattoir as well, and he was very, very good with a knife. And he owned a high-powered crossbow. And 200 metres from where I'm sitting in my pitch-black ute, yeah. he shot a guy through the chest. He then put the body in the water that I can see through my window and then he went home. He then came back. He probably, from what I can gather, and there's not a lot of stuff that the public know about this, but using my sort of forensic background, I imagine that he wanted the body to soften up. And he came back on his motorbike and he began to dismember the body and he would convey body parts back to his flat in Collaroy and he stored the body parts in a refrigerator. And then one day with his girlfriend, because they both used to take LSD, he said to her fairly nonchalantly, oh, um, there's a body in the fridge. And she just kind of didn't react. And then a few months later, they caught a cab, which is kind of weird, Paul, because it's a cab in that story and it was a cab in the story you just related to us. Yeah. And this poor cab driver who was a father was taking them up through Collaroy and this Leonard guy in the back of the ute who carried this knife, he just reached around, he slit his throat while he was driving and stabbed him 37 times. Okay? Jesus. We are talking a demonic fucker. And then he, same MO, he, he, he dismembered the body, but this time he took the torso of the cab driver up to around sort of somewhere f a fair way from here, up the northern beaches, mm. and he wrapped the torso in chicken wire and it was discovered. But here's something that I'm going to tell you probably no one knows and that is that when my mother taught this kid and and try and picture what I'm about to tell you try, try and imagine what I'm about to tell you he's in a class at a school on the northern beaches my mum's the school teacher and this kid he drops his pants and in defiance he looks at my mother and he shits in the classroom okay now that's unusual. What year was this? Um, well, he was. Let's let's just preface the year by saying, old enough to know better. It's very unusual, but he was in primary school. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. And my mother, just that sort of scene stayed with my mother for so many years. And then, of course, but it's, it's, it's fucked up, Paul, because this, this young, when he was a little boy, his grandmother used to encourage him and help him cut tails and ears off living cats can you imagine having a grandmother like that so it, it was all kind of almost predetermined yeah so he's right so he basically becomes a thrill killer like you said yeah yep. he's currently in prison mm, never to be released and you are 200 meters from the site where correct he- i chose this spot yeah i chose this spot for a reason to amplify mm. my my emotions tonight and mate i tr- trust me i'm 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 not going to do another podcast like this again because it's it's quite stressful because I'm by myself and as I said Christine said she'd come with me and I thought well that's sweet but that's insane. Yeah, cuz you, you I guess you kind of want to look if you're going to do it you may as well do it properly but yeah. the, you're on the Wakehurst Parkway in Sydney. It's referred to as Australia's most haunted road, mm. right? Mm. And it goes from Narrabeen, which is up the kind of uh, quite near the top of the northern beaches and it winds all the way down towards Seaforth like you said. Mm. Yep. Um past French's Forest, but the part that you are in, I'm looking at a map right now. Mm. Oxford Falls when you start at Oxford if you're driving north and you start at Oxford Falls and you work your way to Narrabeen, there's a long long stretch of basically what looks like the wilderness it's like oh it is it's 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 so it's to to people that don't know sydney and for people overseas of which there are numerous listeners imagine a city with eight million people and if you could sort of go up and look down on the city if you fly over the wakehurst parkway it's Mm. just black 
It's the absence of all light. And it kind of links to suburbs. And I was thinking as I was driving down in the storm and the lightning an hour or two ago, Mm. I genuinely thought to myself coming to this spot, I'd already sort of thought about many, many spots that we could try. Yeah. And I chose this spot because there's a lot of trauma. And I then began to think about what would I do if I saw a female hitchhiker on that road? I actually thought, what what do I do? What if I see a, a you know a, a young woman hitchhiking? Knowing what I now know about this particular stretch of road, mm. I I'd be shit scared to to pull over. I know, isn't that terrible how, how society has created this situation where is there someone, like a, is it a setup? Is there someone in the bushes that when you stop to help, this other person will come out with a gun or a knife? Or, or just, right, so, so you're more scared of a terrestrial threat. You're, you're more scared of a conventional kind of dodgy, someone kind of playing possum, or are you scared of the unknown? Are you scared well, of something happening? Well, there's a lot of um, talk also about a woman that has been described as sort of dressed like a nun in her 50s and they believe that she was actually a Scottish nun because where the Christian City Church is at the beginning of this dark sort of dismal road prior to the Christian City Church there was um, another church that had been there for some time and the story goes and this part of the story from what I can glean is factual that is that she She was 53 years of age. She was dressed as a nun and she was by the road. Some people are saying she was hitchhiking and I don't think that's out of the question for a nun to hitchhike, particularly back in the, you know, the the 60s and 70s, without a doubt, because so many people used to hitchhike. I hitchhiked to Coffs Harbour, which is 500 kilometres away. So, Mm. I, you know, it was pretty accepted back then. And the story is that she was hit by a car and killed. Now, she, this nun, is the subject of quite a few sightings on this road. Dad, the nuns, this is the nun I was telling you the story about. Oh, well, there's also the story about a young girl in her 20s. Um, so there are kind of two main stories associating, but it's, there's a 20-something-year-old and there's a 50-something-year-old. So, right. you know, if I saw uh, a girl, particularly if I saw her weirdly, this sounds silly, but if she was wearing a white dress, I'd be pretty disturbed. And Paul, are you aware they've done a, a fairly serious documentary about this road? Yes. And do you know that? And they did a film and mm. when they were filming one night, very, very close to where I am part B of the reasoning why I chose this particular spot. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if where I'm parked now is actually where they were filming. And they were doing a night scene and they actually had a clairvoyant there to assist them. And the clairvoyant started to tell the entire crew this terrible traumatic incident that had occurred within this very close vicinity Almost the entire crew began to vomit. And 
it, it sort of had a group, almost a group hypnosis of, of this. People were genuinely physically ill and it was like a mass, almost a hysteria thing. This has been well reported. And then at a later date at night time, and this is a really, this is the story I'm kind of a little bit, I'm kind of looking out and I can sort of see the silhouette of trees, which is, there's no, I can't see any man-made light. Um, I feel as though I'm speaking from inside a sauna because I'm not prepared to even open the window half an inch for fear of something, you know, something frightening. When they were filming this night scene, there was this glow, like a white light behind the girl, and she was sort of acting as either the nun or the young girl as part of this documentary. Mm. And there was this this kind of weird light coming from behind her and she began to describe to the cameraman and, and all the sound people and the director that she was finding it very, very difficult to breathe. She was getting really, really cold. She she could hardly, she couldn't talk. And then they they saw this kind of glow behind her, very close to where I am now, mm. and they turned all the lights off and guess what happened? The glow was still there. What the fuck was that noise? I don't know. What? I don't know. Yeah, anyway. Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard like a growling noise. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that was. Hang on. No, I don't I don't know what that was. Right. <sighs> okay. Anyway, um Do me a favor, Dad. Yeah. Uh, there is currently a device on your what? Your dashboard? Yeah, on the dashboard. I'm looking at it. Yeah, so can you describe this device? Yeah, to it's me? it's a it's a circular um, it's a circular sphere. That's that's tautology, isn't it? Oh, God, it's a it's a it's a sphere. It's about maybe three centimeters in diameter. It looks mm-hmm. like a tiny little. It's about the size of a golf ball, but it's clear, yeah. and it's got a lot of gizmos and gadgets and weird things inside it. Okay. Now it's on. You activate it by turning it on. You press a like a switch. As I said, I was I've never seen one before, but the people that I met yesterday they had some really serious gadgets, and I was quite impressed to think that there are companies that actually make stuff like this. And they set this thing down. I'm not going to tell you what happened, but they kindly, as you know, gave me the this thing, and they said, John, set it up in the Ute tomorrow night. And have I told you what happened tonight with the thing? It sat there for a few minutes and all of a sudden it just started freaking out. What do you mean freaking out? Well, it started doing what it's supposed to do if something's weird's happening. Has it gone off at all during the no, time you've been talking? No, thank fuck, because I, I, I don't think I could handle it. I mean, honestly, I mean, there aren't... I, people know that I love adrenaline. I've done some really insane things there are only a few things in the world that i will not do i won't do mm. bungee jumping that's just dumb okay but i've done lots of creepy things but you know being here tonight by myself in the dark with this potentially it's like having a hand grenade in front of you it may go off oh right i don't want it to go off right if right. it did go off i'd be really impressed and shit scared because I can't tell you what you then have to do. We have to save that for another episode. But there's certain protocols that you do once that thing goes off. 
okay? And I, when it went off about an hour ago, genuinely yeah. by itself, because it had been sitting, it's, I'm looking at it, it's just sitting in this really comfortable, assuming it's, it's not human, of course, but I mean, I've made it really comfy, okay? And it's just sitting there and it's on, but you can't, nothing's happening. It, it takes something to actually, and then uh, it, be, it was set up for a few minutes and I'll tell you the only really weird thing, Paul. It's the only time I had my 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 window because uh, all the doors are locked, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's the only time where my window was just down slightly, and the thing went off. Do me a favor, Dad. Yeah. Because we we're almost out of time for this interview, so do me a favor. Could you wind the window down for me a bit? Um. Yeah. Okay, yep. Can you describe to me what's what's out there? Um just lots of trees and just yeah, oh shit. What was that? Oh god, my <laughs> Oh god. The cable what, what the cable r- rubbed against <laughs> the steering wheel and it made this vibration that came up and went through my hand. That was a bit crazy. Um, so hang on, Dad. Just I mean, look, we've spent a lot of time. I wound the human. window up, Paul. It's up, okay? Because right, I'm right, sweating right. profusely. Fuck. Okay. We spent a lot of time talking about how creepy this is. This road is. This, I mean, look. If people are on the Waco's Parkway at night, do you think they should be freaked out? Is this? Is do you think it's possible that this place has something wrong with it? Paul, there are parts of the freak. Uh, God, I was going to say the freakway. <laughs> oh God, there are parts <laughs> of this. There are parts of the Waco's Parkway that. Um, that have no reception for emergency services. Right. Now, that's really, really heavy. Mm. And, Paul, I guess in, in closing, I, I and you can cut this if you want to, but I need to share this because I've actually I've taken a lot of notes, okay? I can't see my notes because my torch is off. I'm just looking at this kind of white twin sheet in front of me, which, I, which is rested up against the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. But, Paul... One thing I do know for a fact about the people in the in this sort of field of paranormal investigation is that the general consensus is that these things happen mainly because of trauma. Hmm. And in the, there'll be people that didn't hear the fire brigade season, but one of the most traumatic events took place on this road. Right. And it involved a young girl. That was involved. How far from how far from where you are right now? Mate, it, it would be within walking distance. Yeah, okay. Okay? And the crew responded from a particular fire station. Mm-hmm. And there was a young girl involved. And it was a relatively minor accident. And I'm only telling you this story again because I know we've touched on it, but I think it's important for new listeners. And also, I mentioned it to the paranormal group, some of the members last night, and they concurred that this is the sort of thing that can really have very, very strong ramifications for what we're talking about. And when the fire is rocked up, she was driving um, a Volkswagen and she was 
she was uninjured except the car was on her arm. So the upshot of the story is that the car caught on fire and in front of all these fireys, uh, they couldn't they couldn't get her out and she, she burnt to death in front of them. Now that, to me, is a fucking traumatic event. It's happened within... There are so many bad things. If you actually... I was also going to talk about a young girl and a young guy and the the lovely girl, she was a model, she she left this guy, they said goodnight and they were talking on the mobile phone on this very, very stretch of road that I can see as I'm sitting here and they were talking on the mobile phone <clears throat> and he heard her crash, okay? Imagine if you were talking to Tegan on the phone. You're, you're at home, she's in a car, and you hear the crash. Mm. He then dropped everything, he ran, he, he drove down, and his worst nightmare was confirmed. She died, and he heard the whole thing. Dad, the temptation to kind of milk this episode for all it's worth and, you know, put in the noise of the EEG meter, isn't it like mildly tempting because it'd be pretty sensational. But the fact is we've like, we we wanted to kind of give an authentic experience, right? We mm, wanted to mm. just get you on this stretch of road that is apparently the most haunted stretch of road in Australia and just see what happened. And while mm. doing it, talk about some of the traumatic events that happened there and also some of the some basically some of the ghost stories that have happened yeah. there as well. Yeah. Um well are you tell me this, are you gonna be driving home are you gonna be running reds on your way home? Are you pretty keen to get back? No, but I'll be listening to some very upbeat music and I can't wait to get home and have a cold beer and just 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 kind of stay out for a little while and then just take some deep breaths, and but I'm very, very happy we did it. Can you please do me a favour and leave the uh, EEG meter on on the mm. way back home and just yep. let us know what happens, okay? Okay, I will. Okay. All right, mate. Thank you for joining us live from the Wakehurst Freakway, and we will see you very soon. Now, listeners, in the interest of full disclosure, and I am not kidding here, after we finish the call, because Dad's in the middle of nowhere... We basically have to do this thing where we wait for his audio to upload and my audio uploads and it take you know it takes a few minutes. You're sitting there on the mic, just sort of chatting, but it's not recording anymore. At this point, about 30 seconds into the rendering process, as we were kind of twiddling our thumbs and Dad was sounding very nervous, the EEG meter on his dashboard went off and Dad lost his shit. So I kind of, you know, we had a laugh about it, whatever. He starts driving, and we're still on the call. And then he gets to the set of lights, the set of lights we just talked about. And he gets another red. And the EEG meter goes off again. And Dad sounds really upset, and he finishes the call. He says, audio's fine, and he just sort of dumps the call. And thankfully, he didn't, you know, destroy the audio in the process. I got it all intact. You're listening to it now. Obviously, it all worked out fine. And then he called me the next day and he said he really doesn't want to go out alone in the dark anymore. A couple of hours after that, he got a call from a bunch of people who have invited him and mum on yet another ghost tour. So it looks like dad's not going to get any respite anytime soon. Now, whether or not you believe in any of this stuff, that's completely fine. I am frankly becoming a little more skeptical as Dad's becoming more of a believer. It's an odd twist, and I didn't expect it to happen this early in the season or at all. But thank you so much for your amazing correspondence over these first few episodes of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Keep it coming in. Please, if you have any tips, any stories, any kind of 
anything you want to tell us about the unnatural and the unexplained as it pertains to, you know, crime, please send us a message at facebook.com forward slash loose units. Again, thank you so much for keeping Dad and I company through this journey. And I'm going to go check in on Dad right now. We'll see you later this week for Loose Units, Loose Ends. But have a good one, folks. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.